I have to imagine you practice this shit. <laughs> like in front of a mirror or in the shower, or like driving. You have to practice this stuff because, like, you do it with such a straight face. <laughs> well, not in front of a mirror because it, it's not animated. Now, in a shower, that could be nice because I could get like some bass reverberating off the shower walls. But, uh, but I was hoping my, my dream is. To either win the lottery or for you to start freestyling when I do that someday. I I'll hope, take either. I, I hope that you win the lottery and you split it with me. What? I'll split it, but you have to freestyle rap whenever I want you to. No, I mean, like, that's got to be like a one and done type. Whoa! So, <laughs> you literally would say, I win $350 million and I go, Croiler, let's split this. You're like, yeah, man. I'm like, freestyle. Whatever you say, anytime I want. No, I'm good. <laughs> All I'm saying is, is like, if I did freestyle and get half of that, mm -hmm. how would you force me to like compel me to do it after that point? You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do see that's that. That's my point. So that, that that is a that's a good point. So what I would do is, I can't do like you get half. What I would say is, every time you freestyle, I'll give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars. See that you may not ask for a while. Oh, I think I would. <laughs> I think my concern is I'd ask too often to you the point where, <laughs> where you would then have all of that for $350 million within a year. I could accept that. Okay. I could accept those terms. All right, well, this is episode 42 of the Just Jiu-Jitsu podcast. We're 42 episodes in, which means... Who are we? I, I don't... I just said... No, I mean, who are you and who am I? I get into that, oh, man. Oh, okay, sorry. You're throwing off my flow. All right, it was actually pretty good. I'm Thanks. sorry. I apologize. Thank that was you. My, my fault, listeners. My fault. I think 43 episodes in, we won't, we won't, we'll have a smoother flow, but I was just... I was about to acknowledge my own ability to remember to tell people what our... Uh, yeah. podcast is and then so, i ruined it that's okay so this is the just jujitsu podcast i'm andrew disimony with my co-host croyler gracie and we are here to have another episode in our series of the passing series and like i said before this is passing for jujitsu if you're just kind of if you, if you searched itunes for passing hoping for another sport i'm sorry we're not going to cover like basketball passing or football passing that's that's another podcast i couldn't even begin to explain what that would entail no i and we've we've, we've had you know we haven't had in a while croiler sports corner oh my god god <laughs> damn it all right I, i'll prepare that for next week Thank next you. week no no like like two weeks or three weeks or two weeks long I, enough until you forget okay wait, 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 we'll see that that's a likely scenario uh this is the passing series last time we did a intro to passing which was just an overview mm -hmm. and that was Emmy nominated. I don't know if you was were. It? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't even know that they had Emmys for podcasts, but wow. they do. We might get one. I think. What's that award that you give to like really shitty like movies? Oh, it's like the like the raspberries or something. Is it the raspberries? I know they have the Darwin Awards, which is for like the dumbest Stupid, people yeah, and dumb but, things. But they that have happen. like the like the raspberries. I know. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I, is, maybe it is that. I, I think like maybe we should ask Kip and Paul. I'm sure they've gotten a few of those. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, the grappling dads probably. They're probably the Meryl Streep and Robert De Niro of that. <laughs> Let me look it up. Let me double check this here. Yeah. 
If you were invited to the Emmys, uh-huh. what would you wear? Who would you wear? It's the Raspberry Awards. By it the is way. the Raspberry the, the Golden Raspberry Awards. Golden Raspberry Awards. Okay. If you were invited to the Emmys and let's say you and I, this, this podcast is wildly successful and NBC calls us and says, we want to, we want you to develop this. No, let's say they say, Hey, we love the podcast is shit. But at the end, we love the whole role playing thing. Well, you guys have a TV show based on that, and we do it, and you play this, uh, you play yourself, in, and I just get to make you do all these crazy things. We get an Emmy, uh-huh. we go to the Emmys. What are you wearing? Um, I must admit, at this stage, I'm highly successful at this show. I mean, we're, we're nominated. Yeah, we're- So sponsorships are flowing in. Yes. So, like, Lululemon sponsorships, I'll probably wear- You can't wear Lululemon to the Emmys. Why not? Says who? <laughs> Super comfortable. Maybe a, if they did a tux, but you can't walk up in yoga pants and a like, t-shirt. Yeah, why not? Says who? I mean, you could be a trailblazer in that way. Yeah. I, I would wear... I'm, th- I'm thinking for me, personally, I'd go with, like, the J-Lo dress from the early 2000s where it was, like, it, it went, like, it exposed... M- most of her chest and most of her midriff. It would expose most of you for people that have never desired to see yeah. most of you. <laughs> well, and if I wore that exact dress, she's probably taller than me, so it would probably go all the way down my crotch and expose a little too much a for the Oscars. Much? Yeah. 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 So all of a sudden, I'm more appropriate. We would be a, a fitting pair there. We're diving in now. Episode 42, Passing Series. Today is the Closed Guard Passing Maybe we, we should start very basic and say, why is it so important to get out of closed guard? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, because for the uninitiated, so it, it looks like if you're in someone's closed guard, they may just go, you're, a, you're on top technically, so you're good. So there needs to be an understanding that when you're in somebody's closed guard, there is absolutely zero functional difference between bottom closed guard or top mount you're essentially in the same position yes you've mentioned you i remember the first time you mentioned that in class and i kind of did the in my head i visualized wait flip it <gasps> oh he's right. right right the moment that you realize that it would be like you asking the question of why is it important to escape bottom mount <laughs> yeah it, it for some reason Bottom mount universally just looks bad because someone is on top. You have the earth behind you pinning you up against this person. It's not as intimidating when you see that flipped up and the person has the sky angel's wings to save them. Wow, angel's wings. I've never seen that, but okay. No? No. Okay, sorry. <laughs> if you've seen that, I mean, you might need to go talk I to a doctor I need or to something. St- <laughs> I need to stop doing LSD with, at, at the gym. Yes. Yeah, that would be ideal. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, the reason you have to get out of closed guard is because you're just in a spot that is completely... Yeah, I, mean, I mean, if we're talking strictly grappling terms, you have uh, almost no offensive ability in close guards, so that means that majority of your time is going to be spending defending. And if you cannot escape, then you're just absorbing a lot of damage, and eventually something is going to push through. Um, for for fighting, 
right? Um, you look at guys like Brian Ortega, Damian Maya, Neiman Gracie, right? These people deliver a lot of damage from the bottom, both with strikes, but also with submissions or even just the threat, right? Just the threat that if I'm in somebody's guard, I cannot afford to punch them because if I try to punch them, I may get caught in something I shouldn't be caught in. Um, that is already a huge, huge benefit to both learning close guard and also learning to pass close guard. Because if you're in a top, you're generally speaking in a dominant position, but if you can't be dominant because somebody's got you in close guard, that's a that's a problem. Are there any submissions you can hit when you're in someone's guard? Yeah, there's a few of them. There's a couple Ezekiel's, a couple, you know, baseball chokes that you can do. But the reality is that at the higher, higher level, the the few exceptions to the rule won't function anyways. That's more like parlor tricks that you do to to beginners. Sure. So when you're in someone's guard, you have basically, if if I think of it, two ways of passing from, you basically pass on your knees or you have to stand up. Right. I mean, those are the two biggest schools of thought, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you pass on your knees while you're down or pass while you're standing up. Um, generally speaking, the, the other school of thought is to just create a scramble so that it forces the opponent on the bottom to transition to change guards and then you pass that guard instead but when we were talking strictly in terms of closed guard you're either going to pass on your knees or you're going to pass standing up when you say create a scramble from closed guard that's you'd, you'd still either have to do well you'd do have to open you just have to open the guard okay right? but like you know how you go about opening may set you up for let's say a scrambling position or a knee sliding position or something along those lines that forces the opponent to either get into a scramble with you or change their guards in a response to your pass. Do you have to break their guard before you can pass? Yeah. You do. Close guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to to open the legs. Otherwise, they're inherently attached to you. I think we did a a close guard episode where we talked about the inherent benefit of close guard. Yeah, but I was just thinking... And when I say breaking the guard, when I think of breaking the guard, let's make sure that I'm using, we're on the same page. It's just their legs go from being crossed to they're open. Right. If their legs are open, you can pass. If they're closed, you're not going to pass. And that's the universal sound when guard breaks. Right. I've never heard that grab. You've never heard. It's like when you open a like a bottle of Coke. I've literally never heard that. You haven't been rolling enough then. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know when, the reason I asked because I was thinking if you s- stand up in someone's yeah yeah I was thinking you stand up in someone's guard and let's say you like step over their shoulders they still have their guard closed to so, pass you're still having to to get that pass the guard has to break yeah so there are uh, the situation describing there's a number of entertaining things that happen get white belts to get super excited they try to jump through people's legs Mm -hmm. and they basically they try to jump through like the 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 guard enclosure and they actually because they're attached at the hips they actually end up tumbling over the their partner and pulling bottom out um but more on a serious note um the worst injury i've ever seen in jiu-jitsu um i think it's still on youtube and it's worth watching if you haven't seen uh, it's probably one of the worst injuries I've seen, period. Um, make sure you find the right video. There's one that's like two minutes long. There's one that's like six or seven. That's the one that you want. It's actually titled 
the worst injury ever in jujitsu mm. <laughs> and it was uh, an incident of two blue belts. i think they were blue belts meaning they didn't know much and um though there's they were competing in brazil and one guy stood up in guard trying to pass the opponent kept his guard closed but he was um so desperate to keep it closed so afraid of having his guard open and exposed that he was basically on top of his head the top of his head was the only thing touching the ground mm -hmm. his shoulders his neck the back of his head was all elevated so it was just the very very top the crown of his head was touching the mat and the blue belt on top stepped over his body and basically sat down on his shoulder blades oh. scorpioned him and uh, he, he broke he severed his spine and you hear the sound of the spine breaking and then the scream and it wasn't so much the scream was at first for pain but then it wasn't so much just for pain as it was like desperation the realization that i can't feel my legs it literally was just folded in half yeah like the guy imagine you have a close guard around somebody mm -hmm. and then they put your belly on the mat and they sit on your shoulders. Wow. Yeah. And that was the worst injury ever. Just food for thought for all those people that are, you know, fighting to the death on things that they shouldn't have to. I'm done with closed guard. I'm only doing open <laughs> guard from here. Now. Yeah. No, and, and the thing is, here's the thing that incident could have been prevented with some very, very, very fundamental jujitsu. Let's look at the two classes to simplify things. Passing mm -hmm. from your knees, passing, uh, standing, standing. Mm -hmm. Let's start with passing from your knees. Okay. Am I wrong in saying passing from your knees? It's something that is done mostly in like lower levels. No, no. Mm -mm. I because I think high levels you, you you stand when you're passing through. Well, absolutely, the the more technical approach is to stand, but it doesn't mean that just because somebody's a higher belt that they're more technical. Right. So if if you're passing from your knees, the the start of all of that is going to be to kind of you get your you get your solid base well let, let, let's take a step back from that right so before i offend a ton of people don't get me wrong there's incredibly technical passes and a lot of very you know incredible guard passers that pass on their knees the bernardo faria being the the prime example very technical world champion incredible jiu-jitsu he's retired from competition he passes on his knees. He never stands up. And it's incredible to see because he does it at all levels, right? Um, I'll have to look him up. I'm not familiar. Yeah, Bruno Faria. He's like the he's like the gentleman of jiu-jitsu. He's super nice. Everybody loves him. Does he wear a top um, hat? No. <laughs> okay. um, he's married to actually to one of my cousins. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, uh, married or dating, I'm not quite sure if they're married. I think they might be married. They've been together for a long time now. But anyways, um, no. So the, 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 the school of thought when you're passing your knees before we get into like the practical purposes of it is that the closer I am to the ground, the harder I am to be taken down. And that's just true in just about anything. Cause you have a lower center of gravity. Correct. Right. So it's yeah. harder to tip me. It's hard to sweep me. It's hard to do all these things to me with that advantage. There is a little bit of a give meaning all the targets that your opponent's looking for are also closer to the opponent. Okay. So if you think of a staying up, pass if i stand up i am more easily swept or i'm more prone to be easily swept because i'm on my feet 
but all the targets that you're looking for for submissions are also further away my neck my shoulders my elbows my wrists. oh yeah that you know that's an interesting so, way so it's a it's a dichotomy there right what i gain in balance and and and, and solid base i give up in you know vulnerability in my limbs vice versa so your, your, your triangles your arm bars everything is pulled back yeah your rolling arm bars your straight arm bars your shoulder locks your kimuras your omoplatas your tri i mean everything so he is more he's much a guy like that is much more by remaining on his knees he's saying i'm way more comfortable defending uh, defending the submission, the submission correct than i am with the potential the uh, for the sweep right which the only time that is true is when we get the heavy influence of competition, right? It does not make sense to expose yourself to submissions versus just being reversed. Mm -hmm. Like that does not make sense. Right. But in competition, that makes perfect sense, right? If you get swept, they may not tap you from the bottom, right? But they're going to win by two versus if I stay on my knees and try to pass and you cannot sweep me, I can defend the submission long enough for you not to get the submission. And when the fight ends, I'm on top, mm -hmm. no points scored. So that's how that kind of got started was because of that. We're looking then at the fundamentals of stabilizing. Uh, like, well, I was saying, the first thing I'm doing is getting a good base, kind of like spreading. What, what is a good base? So to me, a good base is I'm gonna spread my, like my knees out, I'm gonna get kind of sink my ass to the ground i'm gonna get low but wide right so far so good so far so good so far so good yes uh and then i'm i'm gonna start by putting my uh i'm gonna, I'm gonna position my hands and create a frame on some the, sort of frame some sort of frame right it could be a variety of different methods but yeah yeah uh frames you're looking to mainly with my friend when i'm what i'm thinking for my frame is people always like to pull you down and so right. they break you down and your head right. falls in their chest. Yeah, that can't happen if you're trying to pass. Yeah, so a lot of times, I think it's because when I became a blue belt, we started the series, but it, my frame that I'll always put up is one hand is down like in their waist, creating like a pressure to kind of keep them down. And then the second hand is closer. Both, both are gripping their, their lapels. The second hand is cl higher up on their torso, closer to their chest. And that's, that's almost the fail safer. If they push me down, I can kind of brace myself. Right, or if they come up, they walk into it. Yes. Right. That is correct. Another one people might do is just kind of keep both hands on each side of the hip. Correct. Pin the hips down. Mm -hmm. Uh, you also have one hand in the hip, one hand in the knee. Sometimes they they do like a like a wedging mechanism where they put a knee in between the hips and push against that knee to create separation between you and the opponent. Yeah, we'll have to get to one of my favorite ways of getting out of close guard, and I think it only works for people who are small with little knees. But we'll get back to that. Um, it's a standing pass. The white belt material at our school. One of the first things we do is passing from closed guard, and we'll start off with a bastard pass. Yes, and I, most, always, a lot of people call it a different things. Like they call it like the the knee the log splitter or the the knee splitter or something along those lines. Yeah, and you're not a fan of this one. No, it's garbage. It's a it, garbage pass. <laughs> and it's weird to to hear you as you as you teach it because you'll you'll say like, "All right, I'm going to teach this to you because this is what people will do," but I hate it don't do it past like white belt yeah 
explain that one to us. It's one that I everyone does when they're just starting out because it makes sense. When they're starting out, there's black belts out doing it as their primary pass. Yeah. It's a horrible pass. Explain it and then tell us why you have this fiery <laughs> hatred towards it. So um, the, the pass essentially means you pin the hips down, you put a knee essentially between uh, each of their hips. And then you slide a leg back. Sometimes you step up with the leg, you push on the knee. And basically what you're trying to do is wedge your knee through their, their butt, right? Through their hips and push yourself away as you're pushing with your arm, their leg 90 degrees away from you. So essentially you're an expanding triangle, so to speak. And that pops the leg open. Um, the, the benefits of that pass and the reason why 99.999999% of the people do is it's a fairly energy efficient pass, meaning it does not take a lot of work to make, to try it out, just to, to see what happens. Pretty low risk. Yeah, there's no risk, there's no energy lot wasted, it's easy to do, any idiot can do it, clearly. <laughs> um, the, the other reason why people do it is because it's so simple that you can teach a white belt, which is why I show the white belts. It's so simple that even the 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 lamest, layest layman can learn this in one class and apply it immediately after it um, with with pretty decent success. Uh, most people don't ever learn to defend that pass because most people don't truly understand how to play a clo- an effective close guard game. Right. Most people play a close guard game in that, that I need to get out of here. And if I cannot get out, then maybe I can submit where the, the real focus should be in close guard that I will tap this person. Mm-hmm. They need to get out of here, not me. So just that little mind shift there uh, f- makes people afraid of this pass because it's so easy. Once your legs open, it's hard to stop. And and if done right, it's 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 frustrating because the opponent isn't doing much and you have to do quite a bit of work to nullify that pass. The reason why I dislike it is because because it's such a simple pass and because everybody does it, it is the pass that you're most exposed to in your jiu-jitsu career. It's the one that you have the most experience defending against. It's the one that you have the most experience understanding the setup and how people are applying the technique. And once you learn the defense, and there's several defenses for it, all the defenses are even simpler than the pass itself. In fact, if you learn to defend it correctly and somebody tries to that pass, they sweep themselves. It's incredible. (laughs) The problem being most people don't learn to defend it. They learn to fight against the pass versus taking advantage of the pass, right? And that comes, that's a huge play in in our system, how we do in our school. You shouldn't fight things. You should take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. If somebody places a hand on your knee or places a hand on your hip, you should take advantage of that. It's there. They put it there instead of you having to force it there and you can play off of that. So if that's a pass that everyone knows, it's an easy one, but it's not a great one to make your go-to for escaping close guard. Uh, not, not in my opinion. And I can take it for what it is, just my opinion. Right. What What are ones that you like to give people early on to say, hey, don't do this if you're in a closed guard and you're trying to escape from a kneeling position. Um, give this a try. So I, I don't like, I don't recommend passing from a kneeling position. Okay. Um, do you remember how we did our closed guard series pass? 
Yes, we did the, we set up that whole base where you. No, what happened when we set up that base? When you properly set up with your knees and your hips, your chest, your hands, your frame, when everything is perfect, what happens? You then start to work. No, no, no. Now what happens next? You bring your leg up, right? Yeah, that's next. I'm saying. What? Yeah, that's what you said. You said, what happens next? No, so not, not what happens next, but what happened when you achieve that solid base with your hips, your shoulders, your knees, your frame, your chest, what have you gained by going through the trouble of doing all that? I mean, control. How? Control what? You've immobilized their hips. Uh-huh. You created a lot of pressure uh-huh. on that torso, and you, to me... I think they are not, it's a blank slate. They're not doing anything. You've I can nullified do 99% of their attacks. Right. And just about 100% of their movement. Mm-hmm. Which means now, now you can pass however you want to pass without worrying of submissions and only having to worry about a few select individual sweeps. Okay. okay? Yeah. The opponent on the other side in order to have an effective guard, we'll have to work really hard at undoing everything that you did in order to start launching off submissions and sweeps. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to get passed. Right. Right. So after that, what do we do after that? After that, you then start to, you bring, you tilt to one side. Well, I mean, we don't need individual steps. I'm more talking about like, what was the, the next big thing that happened? We stood up. <laughs> you get to your feet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we, so, so in my class, I started this. And it was good because he was, he had just gotten his blue belt. Then we, we talked about, okay, you have this base, you learn to nullify the opponent. They can't do any harm to you and, and effectively nullifying to where you're still mobile and you can still do things. Cause you can just stick your nose in somebody's belly button and hug their hips and nullify their movement. But then you're also stuck, right? Mm-hmm. The way we did it, we were still mobile and we were still capable of doing delivering damage so so then i say go ahead and stand up right and we did our standing pass which which we we did we call it marcius pass which is from straight from stambowski so we stand up we open a guard we pass boom done okay then i talked about what would happen after that pass right what was the difference between that pass and the the following pass we're testing your memory here now i remember marcius pass i can't remember what the following technique yeah, so was. what we talked about was what if the opponent opens his legs just before you open them, before you force them open, they open the legs and they try to put a foot on the hip in order to be proactive, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then we dealt with that. And then we said, okay, what if they open a little bit sooner? What if they put both feet in the hips? What if they start hooking here? What if they do this? And basically we start understanding that the better opponents will understand themselves that they are nullified and they have no offensive ability at an earlier stage than the the less experienced opponent, right? The white belt will fight to sure. the death because that's all he's got is that the, the leg wrap. The black belt may go, shit, I am completely like, you know, de-weaponized. Yeah. And therefore I must change guard right now because the further this goes, the more complete his technique will be. Right. Right? So what we talked about, the way I like to teach the, the, the beginners, the, the whites, the blue belts, and so on, is I like to teach them one almost unstoppable pass. And it is a very complicated pass. I mean, Marcio's pass took us weeks to learn. Mm. Right? It was very detailed, a lot of ton, tiny little steps. But you, you practice that at, at early on. So let's say you learn that as a blue belt. 
no stripes. You just got your blue belt. You learned that. By the time you're a black belt, you've had years practicing that, right? And throughout the years of practicing that, you've encountered every different experience level. So what you learn is with that one solid pass, if it's unstoppable or nearly unstoppable, um, it forces your opponent to behave in ways that they don't want to behave. And they will open their guard at different stages, allowing for better passes because they're retreating, right? Mm -hmm. They're fighting on their heels. They're accepting a lesser perfect guard than to just lose close guard. Long, I, long story short is I prefer you passing your feet. Yes. And being so good at that, that it forces the opponent to open their guard at an earlier stage. And getting to your feet, is it mm -hmm. the reason you like that? Is it what you said before? Your distancing yourself from submissions, but you're making yourself more susceptible to sweeps. However, the path that you're presenting for your students is nullifying a lot of those sweeps. Correct. Yeah, you're only off balance when you stand up if you didn't successfully nullify your opponent's ability to, to do damage to you. If we're getting, just getting back to the whole standing up idea, let's go to the very simplest of white belt sweeps, uh, not sweeps, uh, passes that we have. It's the one where you pop up to your feet, mm -hmm. Someone still has their guard closed. You put your hands right above their uh, biceps. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to you kind of pop up to your feet and your goal is to get your feet as high up and close to like their armpits or their mm -hmm. triceps as you can. And then you throw your hands up in the air like you're going on a roller coaster, or like when you go to a Cheryl Crow concert and you go crazy and she plays. Uh, I don't think uh, I've ever been uh, to Cheryl Crow. Concert. What's, uh, I don't think I've even seen a Cheryl Crow concert advertised. Uh, I'm gonna soak up the sun. I know you go crazy. You're like, you're like, yeah, gotta tell everyone to lighten I up. Have no idea what you're talking about. All those gonna soak up the sun. Now, 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 now. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I'll whatever uh yeah so you hop up throw your hands in the air and then you thrust your hips forward and that thrust pops legs open pops those legs open mm -hmm. that's one that i still use to this day but being shorter i really have to emphasize it right i also i i'm also not a super gigantic fan of that so okay so that one's better than let's say the bastard pass but still it's on a better path. It works with, and, and I even, I, I said I use this, it'll be something that works with newer people. It'll, yes. But it doesn't, it doesn't work with people who are a little more experienced. No, it does. You pop the legs open, only you're not, you don't have any control, so now you're in an open guard. That's the only difference. That's like a very simple way to pass the guard. Now, how do you just stand up in someone's guard? That's tough, man. It is because That's a there's super tough question. That's why people abandon doing that because they don't know how. Yeah, and if you don't know how and you're trying, you're gonna get swept. <laughs> you're gonna get swept, or it's just exhausting yeah. because it's like wearing, it's like having a really heavy strap on like the middle of your back, just pulling you down. And every time you try to, stand, poof, you're broken down, and you just go fine. I'll just, 
I'll just try to escape There's from. There's a dirty joke in there somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> you have strap. <laughs> I didn't even notice that one. Thank you for pointing it out. No, I'm, just, I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm not touching it. That's okay. Oh, again, that's part of the dirty joke. Uh, <laughs> how do you stand up when you're just when the earth and your opponent are just keeping you so, close to them? So this is where I my the smart ass in me is like you just get stronger. Mm-hmm. But that's the smart ass in me. No, the the reality is you you learn through proper angling and proper um leveraging to to you learn to create a structural force in which it, it, so so framing right so if i run at you right and you try to shove me away you may not be strong enough because i'm so much bigger mm-hmm. but if you frame against me you can definitely keep me away how does that work you didn't get any stronger. I didn't say you had time to work out between the two examples, the, but but the frame is a is structurally strong, right? You're using your body in a way that allows for your joints to create ang- proper angles and proper leverage to prevent you from closing a certain distance, right? You're structurally sound. You're structurally strong versus if you're just trying to power me away, that's muscular strength and that will fade, that will tire, that will fatigue. So the key to staying up is one, the solid base you had on your knees that you described earlier with a good frame and all that, that needs to be um, adjusted slightly as you get further and further off the ground. But while maintaining the, the purpose, which is structural, integrity and a good base so like when you stand up you shouldn't be wobbling all over the place you should be able to stand up like 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 an in like an unstoppable force Mm -hmm. is the stand-up something that is just a quick like jump to your feet are you taking one step at a time i mean if you can do it (laughs) jumping once you're magic (laughs) i mean you you said it yourself you're carrying your weight their weight and gravity it's not a recipe for jumping no no you have Um, have some pretty pretty sturdy legs no so so for you for you stand up right because i mean you're looking for me to go through the steps um assuming you have a strong base with a strong frame good chest good hips knees are placed correctly what you would do is you would flare one leg out while maintaining your hips shoulders and your spinal column virtually untouched unmoved Mm. and then you'd flare your knee up so at this stage you'd have one knee up one knee down again doing it in a way with proper angling to where you can maintain the pressure you created you can maintain the structural integrity you're hard to move still your chest shoulders hips spinal column they're all aligned correctly and then you would then flare the other leg and then at that stage, it becomes a matter of raising, flaring that other knee up and pulling the opponent underneath you. And if you do it correctly, they should slide right underneath you as you stand straight up. We take a step back, create a stagger. That step back then allows for better base, right? Because otherwise you're just, your feet are close together, it doesn't work. But when you step back, you're in a good stand, good stance. Um, and then you open the legs, again, not through power, but through proper angling, if you drop the outside knee to their sternum, it forces a twist in their spine that their hips cannot contain, and it pops their legs open. Standing up is part of the battle. The next b- part of the battle is breaking that guard. Right. So the 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 the, the first battle is not just just staying up, but more so 
staying up is a means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. And the end being to open their garden. Because remember, if I'm grappling with somebody and I nullify their ability to do damage to me from close guard and they're open their guard while I'm on my knees, I'm, I'm not going to stand up. I have no reason to. Right. Right. So once that function has been achieved, meaning their legs are open, then you're right. We move on to the second stage of passing close guard, which is to achieve, to get around the legs to achieve side mount. Stand up, break the guard, and then... Yes. yes, around, over, or under the legs to get a side mount. <laughs> Which I, I'm realizing this episode's on, it's a passing guard series, yeah. uh, passing closed guard. We're just getting like into the, the passing of that. Part. Oh, yeah, no, we're just talking about good, good base, good control. <laughs> good base and control. I wonder if this should be a part of the passing series or if it should just specifically be an uh, episode on, it could be the passing series setting up the pass well well, there because there there is a um i think we need to understand what our objectives are right Mm -hmm. oftentimes i grapple with people and they'll they'll grab my sleeve i'm like what are you doing with that sleeve i don't know something no no what 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 is your plan well i just figured i should hold it because if i want to do something it's there so you're wasting a grip on nothing or you could really give it some thought and put that grip to a better use somewhere else. Right. Right. You have to have an objective. It's kind of like hoarding. It's like you yeah. grab it and you're like, what are you doing with that? I don't know, but I may need it someday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you also could use that extra room instead of like old right. newspapers or your old toilet paper for like a computer or like an office. Like, <laughs> no, but that toilet paper that uh, they had shit all over it. Someday that may be worth money. You're like, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know what economy we have to have for that to be worth something. <laughs> no, right. So, you know, I think that when it comes to, to understanding like guard passing, particularly closed guard passing, because it's such a dominant guard, is understanding what is our goal, right? Our primary goal is to nullify any damage that can be done to us, whether it's form of sweep, submissions, or just control. We want to take their control away, nullify their sweeps, nullify their attacks. Once that's achieved, then we can start setting up our pass, which then we have to decide, are we passing our knees or passing our feet? I highly recommend passing on your feet if you have proper education. So you stand up to pass on your feet. Now, we also mentioned that the better your opponent is, the earlier they're going to open because they will understand that they've already been beaten. Mm-hmm. Right. With a if if the first stage we have good proper base, hips, good frames, good control, they will understand then that hey, I've already lost this battle. I need to move on to a different guard, whatever the different guard is. So let's say we we pursue the pass because they're being stubborn. Every step of that pass will be another step closer to me having a perfect clean pass. And every step that you resist it, the closer I will get there and the more control you will lose. Mm-hmm. Right. So we said we mentioned this earlier that the better opponents will open earlier, earlier and earlier and change guards, right? They'll create a more dynamic guard universe versus just closed guard. At whatever point, whether I go all the way through my closed guard passing and I open your legs, or you bail on your closed guard and you open your legs, once that criteria has been met, meaning your legs are open. I'm, I can now go from, I can get past that second stage and go to the third stage. So the first stage would be good control, nullification, setting up our pass. The second stage would be executing our guard pass, meaning creating an opening. Once the guard is open, then it becomes 
stage stage three, which would be passing, and stage four would be side mount. We are now at stage three, passing. You know what? Time wise, this is we're close to fifty minutes. Let's just make this episode the stages one and two. One and two. Sure. Because the next stages, there's no need. There's, I don't want to rush through them. In we would have to rush through it at this point. <clears throat> right. So yeah, let's. We'll make that the next. Uh, step in this series, so sure. that'll be the stages one and two, which would just be nullification and opening. Nullification and opening, title of the episode. <laughs> sounds weird. That sounds like another dirty joke in there somewhere. <laughs> it does. Nullification and opening sounds weird, just like the the color of the car that you're <laughs> that you just bought was a yeah. what was it? Is a a pearl blizzard. Pearl blizzard. We'll just go with white. It's yeah, just white. Just say white. <laughs> Don't make people uncomfortable with that. Okay, so let's. We're gonna wrap this episode up. It's. I'm. This. I don't want you to feel like this was a bait and switch, or you're like, yes, I'm gonna learn this how to pass. Definitely. Oh, I talking about me. Okay. All right. No, no, oh, I'm talking okay. to our to our listeners. Who, we're 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 gonna we're gonna slow things down so we don't skip over the all important part of the passing, because um, this is the passing series, and right. it's when people finish this. I think I we I should tell you we've been a this is an accredited course. Oh, we went it? through some courses where if you're going to college right now, Damn. you can get. I think it's uh, this is three college credits. It's applied for some reason to the foreign language. Um, I can believe that. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe because you're Brazilian. Uh, that's racist, but or okay. it's just because I, I stutter and stumble <laughs> through things. Or like, if you can understand him, you'll understand other languages. You'll be good. Yeah. Uh, so so that's gonna be the end of this episode or curriculum uh, or episode. Yeah, whatever. Let's see. Before we leave, oh man, we could do some role, some D and D role playing. Oh my god. We could do <laughs> some questions. Do you have any listeners' email? Oh yeah. Oh man, you're desperate to not do any of those things I just said. You're like, uh, uh, listener email or talk about our feelings, anything but but that. I mean, that'd be a pretty short conversation. <laughs> what are your feelings? Nothing. Cool. Same here. All right. See you next time, everybody. And I just want you to know, just because we're doing a listener email doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you a question or do something to make you feel uncomfortable. Well, I think I think what what's making me uncomfortable is I think we have we're yet to get another bottle of wine from our sponsor. Yeah, what the hell, Paul? <laughs> Listen, Croiler is going to be up there this weekend. Which, well, when this episode comes out, you'll be traveling back or back yeah, already, right? So. <sighs> this it doesn't do a whole lot of good, but as I'm looking for this email. Shout out to our sponsor who is leaving us with an empty bottle. Right. Paul Elliott. Student of the art. Student of the art. Yep. Uh, Simple BJJ. Yeah. You're going to be up there this weekend doing a seminar. I am. Yeah. Okay. I like this one. It's a, it's a, it's a quick one from James. Starts it off. Professor Croiler. Oh. Whoa. Mm, That's technically technically the right term. Okay. All right, James. You got Croiler on your side. Congratulations. Don't go that far, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He says this. You have one hour. What would be easier to do? Explain chemistry to your BJJ students or explain BJJ to your little chemistry buddies. I like how he doesn't say to like your chemistry, to your chemists or like the people you work with. It's like your little chemistry buddies. I, I think. I could teach jiu-jitsu better, not because jiu-jitsu is any easier than chemistry, 
but only because I'm better at teaching jujitsu. That's logical. So I'm not. I'm not saying that. To me, it takes longer to get a true understanding of jujitsu than it does chemistry. But I, in my own ability to teach, I think I'm better at teaching jujitsu than I am at teaching chemistry. You've spent a lot of time learning how to teach jujitsu. Correct. You've had no need to teach chemistry. You know how you know about it, but you don't know how. You right. Don't need to know how to teach it. Right. So this starts our another series. Croiler teaches Andrew chemistry. Oh my God! So Croiler, <laughs> we will start off simple. Teach me chemistry. Teach me and chemistry. go. Oh, um, have you ever looked at a periodic table? We'll start there. <laughs> oh my God, that is so condescending. Well, do you understand what the periodic table is and how it's shaped and formatted? Because there's a well, there's a there's an order to that madness. Yeah. So the periodic table. Um, is it oak or hickory? <laughs> Four legs. I get that, and like a like a top to it. Yeah, the, the periodic table. I, I I I remember it has all these elements on it, and they have two letter abbreviations, and they have their atomic number on the, the corner of each of them. Right? Am I, am I? Yes. Or the the number says how many? Uh, it's how many atoms? So. <sighs> I'm gonna go ahead and stop you there. <laughs> so they're separated by what what kind of chemical, what kind of um, compound they are, mm-hmm. by their weight, by how um, how charged they are, how radioactive they are, um, and then they classify them throughout as you know, what noble gases versus metalloids, and and so on. Um, once you understand that, how how the table is put together. Then, then life gets a little bit easier. First one, hydrogen. Good. Yes. Second one, oxygen. Carbon. I'm just gonna say silent until you get it. Uh, it was one of those, right? Hydrogen and oxygen. Nope. Carbon. <laughs> mm, go On ahead. the left side of the. Of the periodic table. Because when I when I see the periodic table in my head, it has horns almost. Right, right. So the left horn. Yes. Okay, that entire column, those are going to be your alkali metals. Okay. That's where your hydrogen's at. Got it. Okay. On the right horn, on the right side. So did, would that be the second one? It would be the completely opposite side on the other side. Okay. Okay. That column, that's your noble gases. Okay. Okay. The very top, so they go by weight. So from top to bottom, you go from lightest to heaviest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the upper left will be the lightest. Oh, and it, helium. Yes, because that's, yes. that's going to be directly to the right of it. Okay, so we're starting at the top, and it goes hydrogen, helium. Right. And then? Lithium. Oh, lithium's next. I wouldn't have guessed yeah. lithium. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, so this is, we're, we're slowly working our way here. Uh, to me, <laughs> to me remembering my, the last chemistry class I took was sophomore year in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is I get it. Yeah, I understand. absolutely. I mean, you, you, you went to college for this, but I think you probably just learned the same stuff I learned in sophomore year of so, high school. So I think the way to look at it as far as like chemistry goes, and I'm not undermining any chemists out there. I mean, that's what I do for a living, not undermine chemists, but be a chemist. <laughs> um, I think chemistry, if you understand the properties of chemistry, it makes sense. Like it becomes almost formulaic, you know, 
one plus two is three, two plus two is four, and so on, because you understand how those works. Just like math, like there is a perfect input, there's a perfect output. Much like jujitsu, there is a perfect input and perfect output. However, jujitsu has a lot of variability that is unaccounted for, and there's a lot of feel that has to be understood in order to to make sense. Right in chemistry, there's nothing to be felt in chemistry to in order to make sense, mm-hmm. you know. But in jujitsu, there has to be a certain feeling involved and experience with it, and it becomes more than just this very formulaic thing. Okay, you know what? That's a good segment. We have the Croyler's Sports Corner, other things, horrible segment where you're at a disadvantage. Croyler's Chemistry Corner, that's a horrible, horrible corner. No, what? I thought you'd like that one because we're oh, in your no. realm. Well, yeah, I'm comfortable, but it doesn't mean I like talking about it. Yeah, but you get to talk about it, and I can be the buffoon, and that's. Um, yeah, I don't see how much you, how you get so much pleasure out of when the roles are reversed. I mean, I just feel bad for you at this point. <laughs> um, ooh, I was trying to be nice and give you a segment where you're comfortable. Oh, I'm telling you this right now. Our next episode, we're going so deep into de- into role playing. The Gecklars are going to be so deep up your ass. You oh, are going to wow. be begging for Carter's Sports Corner. Wow, that got dirty real quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, well, everyone, that's what you have to look forward to next weekend. Don't let your children listen because it's going to be bad. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. That's fine.